Hello, podcast listeners. Hope you're enjoying your day as much as I have. Today, the markets were pretty much closed across the nation because I believe it had to do with Juneteenth, the day that we celebrate the end of slavery within the United States. And that being said, I guess it's made into a holiday now. So interesting holiday that they've recently made and the markets were closed because of it today. That being said, guys, there are some things that we should report about because a lot of things tend to disappear from the weekend, for instance. Okay. First things first, today we're going to be talking about how Treasury uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Janet Yellen says recession isn't inevitable. Okay. Then we're going to talk about Lightyear, the movie that Disney just released in its box office this weekend. And Pixar film nabs about 51 million in domestic opening. We're then going to be talking about Bitcoin. Some major movement happened with Bitcoin over the weekend and and then it bounced back on Monday. And we'll talk a little bit about that and see what's going on with Bitcoin. And finally, we got to talk about gas. Uh, Joe Biden has been talking about gas, about potentially raising the tax holiday on gas for 4th of July. And how this potentially ties into what's happening with Germany and how they're thinking about using coal again or more coal into their grid system currently. With that being said, guys, as I always say at the beginning of each podcast, I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. You need to go talk to your own professional advisor before making any financial decisions. This podcast is of informational purposes only. Some of these companies that I am talking about today, I do have a very small position in, in my own investment portfolio, and I cannot tell you what you can and cannot do for investment decisions. This is just my opinion on what's happening in the market and reading news articles of what is happening within the market itself. Please go talk to your own financial advisor as they would understand your financial situation a little bit better than I would. And I cannot legally give you financial advice. This is not financial advice. This is for entertainment purposes only. First things first, U.S. recession isn't inevitable, but inflation is unacceptably high, Treasury, Treasury Secretary Yellen says. Okay, From CNBC, this was reported on Sunday last night. The recession that many Americans fear is coming is not at all intimate, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said Sunday. Talk of a recession has accelerated this year as inflation remains high and the Federal Reserve takes aggressive steps to counter it. On Wednesday, the Fed announced a 75 basis point interest rate hike, its largest since 1994. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell also indicated the Federal Open Market Committee intended to continue its aggressive path of monetary policy, tightening in order to rein in inflation. At the same time, many expect the combination of resilience in consumer spending and job growth to keep the U.S. out of recession. Quote, I expect the economy to slow, Yellen said in an interview with ABC this week. It's it's been growing at a very rapid rate as the economy, as the labor market has recovered and we have reached full employment. It's natural now that we expect a a transition to steady and stable growth, but I don't think a recession is inevitable. Although Yellen seemed optimistic about Avoiding recession, the global economy is still facing serious threats in the coming months with the continued war in Ukraine, soaring inflation, and the COVID-19 pandemic. Clearly, inflation is unacceptably high, Yellen said. Still, she doesn't believe a drop-off in consumer spending would be the cause of a recession. Yellen told ABC News that the U.S. labor market is the strongest of the post-war period and predicted that inflation would slow in the months ahead. Yeah, I don't believe that currently right now still. I think the labor market's only tight because people are not still wanting to go back to work potentially. I also think too that Janet Yellen is right. The inflation is too high, but I also don't think they have a solution for it right now. I think the only thing they know how to do is 
I mean, they've they've kept and they've they've kept the rates too low for way too long, and so now people are addicted to cheap money. And so it's gonna be interesting to see how, how this goes. There's there's currently a couple of well not a couple. There's a YouTube video that recently came out that says that Joe Biden spoke to Janet Yellen and he said that oh the recession is is avoidable, but in reality, I just think we are already in that recession currently right now. I mean, the jobs that pretty much did come back were pretty much were lost during COVID-19. People were laid off because of that. And there's still supply chain issues potentially as well. I mean, currently right now, you if, you, if you're out in Huntington, sometimes you can still see the ships out there that are waiting out in port, trying to get in to Long Beach or Los Angeles. So there's still supply chain issues. There's high inflation happening. Seems like there's, we're in a recession. Gas prices are still pretty high. So, but I think at the end of the day, it's still going to be, we're going to see who's right soon. Janet Yellen is, I mean, it's, it's unavoidable soon. I mean, maybe it's a hiccup for a few months, but there will be some type of recession in the making potentially if things keep getting as bad as people keep looking at it. Onto the entertainment side of things from the market, from CNBC, Pixar's Lightyear snares 51 million in domestic opening. Okay. Pixar's Lightyear rocketed to a 51 million domestic opening, the best performance of an animated feature since the pandemic began. Internationally, the Disney film tailed, oh, sorry, international, internationally, the Disney film tallied 34.6 million in ticket sales, bringing its global haul to 85.6 million. The animated film performance, while strong for a pandemic release, fell short of expectations. Box off analysis had foreseen Lightyear bringing in between 70 million and 85 million domestically. Expectations were high because the last two films of the Toy Story franchise both opened to more than 100 million in ticket sales, according to data from Comscore. Toy Story 4 in 2019 topped 120 million in domestic debut, and Toy Story 3 generated more than 110 million during the opening of 2010. Lightyear had a great potential on paper, but the number of factors resulted in the rare box office misfire for a Pixar release, said Sean Robbins, chief media analysis at boxoffice.com. It's unclear if the tough if the tough box office competition with Universal's Jurassic World Dominion, which generated 58.6 million over the weekend, and the Paramount Skydance Top Maverick, Top Gun Maverick, which secured 44 million, was released for light years smaller than expected opening, or its consumers were confused about the film release. After all, there had not been a theoretic release of a Pixar film since 2020 onward. The last three films in anime studio, Soul, Luca, and Turning Red, were all released on the streaming service Disney+. Did the film open up in a market too crowded with the male-driven films? Robbins asked, was marketing ineffective at pitching the idea of this movie to both generations of Toy Story fans? Has Disney's strategy of uh, siphoning Pixar movies straightened to stream over the past two years backfired and hurt the brand's value? There are just... So many valid questions here, and especially Disney have to consider, he said. Robbins notes that the movie going has clearly rebounded in 2022, drawing in demographics that have been uh, reticent to return previously, yet one of the most reliable franchises from pre-pandemic times missed expectations. Yeah, I don't think these people fully understand what really happened, okay? Let's scroll back to the top of the article, actually, when it said here, Toy Story 4 in 2019 topped 120 million and its domestic debut. And Toy Story 3 generated more than 110 million during its opening in 2010, okay? First off, Toy Story 3 in 2010, I can see how that did really well because the millennials generation, they had seen Toy Story 2, and for them, it was reliving their childhood, okay? 
that I can see. 2010, that's when Toy Story 3 came out. So that's where all that money came from. Toy Story 4, though I didn't see it, it's still one of those things where millennial generation wanted to see their, their pretty much their childhood characters, see what's happening with their story. Okay. Lightyear though, is a little different. You're having to advertise to a brand new audience, brand new people. Millennials aren't spending as much time anymore. There's not as much connection with it. Okay. Now that's one reason you can look at. Okay. It's not because of marketing. Okay. But I will say, at least in the international market, okay, think about it. It said that they raised $34.4 million. Why is it that this number is so low? Well, it could it be that there's been a bunch of countries that pretty much banned the Lightyear movie? There are, in fact, okay? The following countries have banned Lightyear in their countries. United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore, Lebanon, Omen, Qatar, Kuwait, Bahrain. That's 11 countries right there. And potentially China is going to end up banding Lightyear. Okay. Pixar spent about $200 million making Lightyear. Okay. They were, they, they were expecting this to be a good film in the making. Okay. It ended up flopping pretty much for them. Okay. 200 million to make a light year film, okay? Not only do you have to get a new audience involved, but pretty much there's controversy about, I, I guess, two characters of the same sex were kissing. So be it. That's Disney's choice, okay? We've talked about this in the past a little bit, about how the streaming war is going to be determined based off content, okay? Disney can continue releasing these if they want. It's their choice. It's They're the company. They can decide what they want and what they want to release, at the end of the day, though, I wonder how long they keep this up, okay? If you lose the China market, and Disney loves the China market, okay? I mean, think about it. They have, I believe, two castles, two Disney worlds in China. I mean, you can't advertise these characters as much in Dis in the Disneylands in China now. But if they lose China, they're going to lose a lot of money for this movie, okay? All because of same... Same, same characters who are kissing on the screen, I guess. But at the end of the day, it's their decision, okay? But they're losing money because of this, okay? You got to think about who your audience is, who you're reaching out to sometimes, Disney. I can almost guarantee you if this becomes a giant flop, they're going to blame next earnings, be like, oh, we lost money because of Lightyear because we couldn't perform in China. Disney stock is potentially going to get hit because of this. Because... I mean, China's a huge revenue for Disney. So, I mean, I, I wish they would tell the entire they tell the entire truth, CNBC, but they're not going to always tell. I mean, I mean, these are decent numbers, fifty-one domestically in the United States. And do I expect it to do well next week? Who knows? But as of right now, China is not going to potentially play the movie. I mean, there's no guarantee, but at least 11 countries have already banned the Lightyear movie. So that's 11 countries you're not getting revenue in for the Lightyear movie if you're a Disney shareholder. So keep an eye on that for Disney, guys. Disney is probably going to feel a little bit in their pockets going forward. On to the next article. Bitcoin briefly dropped below 17,800 as sell-off accelerates. Here's what happened. Bitcoin 
plunged to about 17,749 and Ether fell about to 897 at around 415 Eastern time on Saturday afternoon. As the sell-off in the crypto market accelerates, the world's two most popular cryptocurrencies are down more than 35% in the past week as both breach symbolic price barriers. Bitcoin bounced back about around 18,955 and was either trading at 995 just after 8 p.m. Eastern time. The carnage in the crypto market is pretty is partly caused by the pressure from macroeconomic forces, including spiraling inflation and a success of Fed rate hikes. We've also seen the blue chip cryptos track equities lower. It doesn't help that the crypto firms are laying off large swaths of employees, and most of the popular names in the industry are facing solitary meltdowns. Bitcoin peaked at $68,789.63 in November. Ether peaked at $4,891.70 that same month. Bitcoin last traded at its low in December of 2020. And then the article is in details about how this had happened since, I guess, the beginning of the week. But we're not going to get into that much today because today there's more news on Bitcoin. Bitcoin bounced back after falling to new 2022 lows over the weekend. Bitcoin jumped on Monday after the cryptocurrencies fell below its 2017 high over the weekend. But investors remained on edge thanks to a slew of negative crypto headlines and macro factors keeping pressure on this on the sentiment. The world's largest crypto by market cap climbed above the 20,000 mark for much of the day Monday. However, it last edged lower than less than 1% to $20,005.46 according to Coinmetrics. And of course, over the weekend, Bitcoin flow fell as low as $17,601.58. Meanwhile, Ether itched higher than less than 1% to $1,102.86. While investors will welcome the rebound, Bitcoin still sits 70% below its all-time high hit in November. It's down 57% year-to-date. Many have suggested a market bottom could be close. But with no economic uncertainty remaining, Bitcoin still has more downside potentially. According to Yua, a crypto market analysis at Japanese Bitcoin exchange BitBank. Bitcoin weakens dip was, to put it simply, not deep enough, he said. The macro environment has not really changed from last week's FOMC meeting. There still has not been a clear sign of inflation coming down, and the Fed may still drive the economy into recession by raising rates too aggressively or simply failing to tame inflation. Dead count bounce. While Bitcoin unable to hold con- Convincingly above 20,000, industry watchers said the rally might be short-lived. The vice president of corporate development international at crypto exchange, Luno, told CNBC that the, unless the Bitcoin price price of Bitcoin closes above 23,000 on a daily time frame basis, the odds are this is a dead cat, cat bounce. We're oversold, so a bounce was expected, he added. The broader crypto market has been plagued by a number of issues in recent weeks, beginning with the collapse of the algorithm. Agri- Algorithmic stablecoin Terra USD and associated token Luna. Okay. I'm curious to know what Bitcoin's going to do soon, too. Okay. I really am. I mean, the whole point of Bitcoin was to get away from the banks and have a decent. I mean, guess. I mean, I'm not a Bitcoin expert. I never am. I'm not an expert in a lot of these areas. I'm just a guy who's expressing his opinion on a podcast. And as I learn more about this, the more I learn. But I feel like Bitcoin, if a recession were to happen, should bounce up higher. It really should. I mean, you can't print more of it. There hardly is any inflation. Potentially, there becomes more demand. You have countries that are accepting Bitcoin, like El Salvador, and I think it was Central Africa we talked about about a month ago. So the demand is slowly increasing, but it it makes me wonder how it's going to be. I mean, Bitcoin is a very unstable investment. I mean, it bounces so much. 
But if you've been studying Bitcoin as long, I mean, you, you guys probably remember when Bitcoin hit 17,000 for the first time and how that was a big deal. And now we see that it's in an inflation. So it's going to be interesting potentially to see how Bitcoin responds to this situation going forward. Okay. It, it, I mean, it's Bitcoin for crying out loud. It's one of the, the big ones. At the end of the day, I mean, you're, gonna, you're still going to have people who are going to still trust Bitcoin over the U.S. dollar any day of the week. Especially right now with rising interest rates and inflation just through the roof. It just it just seems like things are... It's in like the perfect storm for Bitcoin, and yet Bitcoin is still not getting the traction it should. And I wonder why that is. So, on to the oil and gas companies now. From CNBC, or also published from NBC News, it looks like. Biden says he's considering gas tax holiday as admin targets July 4th announcement. President Joe Biden said on Monday that he is seriously considering a temporary halt in the federal gas tax at the White House looks to take a step to lower the cost at the pump ahead of July 4th holiday. White House officials say the July 4th weekend, when tens of millions of Americans are expected to hit the road, is a target for announcing new measures to help lower record high gas prices. Biden said Monday that he could make a decision on pausing the federal gas tax by the end of this week. Quote, I hope to have a decision based on data, he told reporters traveling with him in Rehodoth, Delaware. A gas tax holiday would require congressional action, and one White House official acknowledged it would be challenging. Quote, Republicans don't want gas prices to come down, the official said. They want Biden to suffer. The official pointed to a committee made by Senator Rick Scott, Republican from Florida, to the Wall Street Journal last November, saying rising gas prices and inflations are a gold mine for us. Other possibility steps the administration is considering, including a gas rebate, though one White House official dismissed the idea as a stretch and said it is not in a serious contention. While a gas holiday appears to be getting more serious attention, officials said among the unresolved questions is how long it would last. The effort to announce a new measure comes ahead of a meeting. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm plans to meet with the oil refinery executives with a source familiar with the plan said it is scheduled for Thursday, June 23rd. Oh, so this week. Good to know. The meeting comes amid a growing tensions between the White House and the oil and the U.S. oil industry. Granholm noted on CNN on Sunday that if the administration moved forward on a federal gas tax pause, some federal funds could stop going towards roadway projects as part of the infrastructure law Biden signed last year. Quote, if we remove the gas tax, that takes away the funding that was just paused by Congress to be able to do that, she said. So, you know, that's just one of the challenges, but I'm not saying that's not off the table. Yeah, to be fair, it makes me wonder if they do get rid of this tax. Do you think Americans are still going to pay for the gas I mean, think about it. Gas prices probably wouldn't go down that much for at least the tax part of the federal level. I mean, what? Is it is it going to, for a weekend, for people to have fun? I mean, inflation's still here. I mean, something tells me, like, let's say they do cancel it. The inflation's still rising, potentially. So, I mean, gas prices would probably still go up. Oil companies aren't, they're, they're trying to drill and they're drilling at max capacity, but they also can't build the refineries fast enough it takes about three to four years to build just the refinery that has to i mean not the refinery the the uh what's it called the i guess a refinery takes about a year and i can't remember what the other one was it takes about three to four years the ones that are in the in the ocean when they drill but it takes time to build these things 
And there's no guarantee that these oil companies will make money. And Joe Biden keeps canceling federal releases on land to drill. So, I mean, if they do get rid of the taxes, I mean, inflation's still going up. So that means it would it pretty much do nothing at the end of the day. I don't really see this happening, to be honest. And in reality, too, this is a politics game for what's happening in Washington. And it's kind of disgusting if you think about it. But at the end of the day, policies that they're making are pretty much affecting gases right now. And I, I'm curious to know how this meeting is going to go, too, as well. I really hope these oil companies bring up the fact that, hey, you keep canceling projects in the United States. Okay. And I really, really hope, and I doubt it's going to happen. I hope that some of this meeting's leaked to the American public. I really do. But in reality, it probably won't. And I feel like the American people should know what the heck's going on behind those closed doors in that meeting. Because then they have to make a decision about potentially midterm elections that are coming up. So it's going to get interesting to see what happens. So, But continuing on with the gas story, this is something that I kind of called a few months ago or about two months ago when this podcast first officially started. It has to do with Germany. The situation is serious. Germany plans to fire up coal plants as Russia throttles gas supplies. Okay. Germany has said is it said the deteriorating gas market situation means Europe's largest economy must limit the use of natural gas for electricity production and burn more coal for a transitional period. Economy Minister Robert Habeck on Sunday warned that the situation is going to be really tight in winter without precautionary measures to prevent a supply shortage. As a result, Germany will seek to compensate for a cut in Russia gas supplies by increasing the burning of coal the most carbon-intense fossil fuel in the terms of emissions and therefore the most important target for replacement in the transition toward renewable alternatives. That's bitter, but it's almost necessary in this situation to reduce gas consumption. We must and we will do everything we can to store as much gas as possible in the summer and autumn, the Green Party Haybeck said in a statement, according to a translation. The gas storage tanks must be full in winter. That is a top priority, he added. That comes shortly after an ominous warning from Russia's state-backed energy giant Gazprom exacerbated fears of the supply disruption of the European Union. Gazprom said last week that it had further limited supplies to via this Nord Stream 1 pipeline that runs from Russia to Germany under the Baltic Sea. Gazprom cited a technical problem for the supply cut, saying the issue stemmed from the delay returned of equipment serviced by Germany's Siemens Energy in Canada. Haybeck has rejected that claim, saying that the move was political, motivated, and designed to unsettle the region and ramp up gas prices. It's not yet known what, when or if Nord Stream 1 gas flow will return to normal levels. Our, per, our product, our rules. In fury, comments likely to have sent alarm bells ringing throughout the European capitals. Gazprom CEO Alexa Miller said Thursday that Russia will play by its own rules after the firm have supplies to Germany. Quote, our product, our rules. We don't play by the rules we didn't create, Miller said during a panel session at the St. Ber- Petersburg International Economic Forum, according to the Moscow Times. Italy, Austria, and Slovakia have also reported s- supply reduction from Russia. Policymakers in Europe are currently scrambling to fill underground storage with natural gas supplies to provide households with enough fuel to keep the lights on and homes warm during the cold returns. Yeah, Germany, you might want to start getting ready. Okay. You guys start getting ready now. If this war continues between Russia and Ukraine, 
you're going to have people who are potentially going to freeze. I mean, and right now in California, I'm expecting rolling blackouts to happen this summer due to the fact that there's not enough gas and energy potentially. And should that happen, I just got to accept the fact that it is going to happen. I mean, it's at least during the summer, you can at least get somewhat cool. During winter, though, that's a different story, okay? Germany better start ramping up its coal supply, and I mean heavily. A lot of these European countries are going to go through a very rough winter in the making, okay? And coal might be the answer, but it might not be enough. And they got to start storing more gas, okay? If you think about it, during World War II, Germany, technically, that was one reason why Germany lost World War II. It was a resource war. And one of the biggest problems with Germany, there's not a lot of gas in Germany, but they do have a lot of coal, okay? And it's it just, Germany is going to suffer. These people are going to suffer potentially, okay? Last thing I'll read, it says, the EU, which received roughly 40% of its gas via Russia pipeline, is trying to rapidly reduce its reliance on Russia hydrocarbons in response to the Crimean's month-long onslaught in Ukraine. Quote, the tension at the high prices are a direct consequence of Putin's war, of the aggression against Ukraine. There's no mistake. What's more is obvious Putin's strategy to unsettle, drive up prices, and divide us. We won't allow that. We defend ourselves resolutely, precisely, and thoughtfully. Okay. Germany better get ready. And a lot of European countries better get ready too. Okay. India is buying cheap oil from Russia. China is most likely buying cheap oil from Russia and gas. Okay. Europe, you're going to be screwed. You really are. It's going to be cold winter, this potential winter in the making for you guys. And obviously too, India is also getting a lot of gas from their African nations as well. Hopefully Europe can be able to supply it through the African nations and parts of the Middle East. But at the end of the day, Germany, start getting ready. It's going to be cold this winter for you guys. And potentially all the other states in Europe or countries in Europe, you better start getting ready too. I'm curious how this is going to affect coal prices going forward. I also wonder how this might change the conversation about energy policy in politics going forward. So with that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. I ask that you please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every like and subscription we get can help grow this channel so we can be able to talk about the markets and what's happening in general. I'd also ask too that you please not only like and share this podcast, but also share it with friends or family as every share that we get can help grow our podcast even more and to grow it faster so we're going to be able to keep talking about what's happening. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Thank you and goodbye.